The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, writer Megan Nolan is my first guest on The Sunday Grill this morning, author of the acclaimed Acts of Desperation. Her latest novel is called Ordinary Human Failings. And if you love a family drama and true crime, well, this is the book for you. Megan is from Waterford City and returned home this week to two talks at Waterford Book Centre and Carrick First Library during the week. So I'm delighted she's coming to studio this morning to chat favourite books, returning to your childhood home and Sarah Jessica Parker putting your book on her social media. What a, what a coup. <laughs> yeah, that was a big one. <laughs> did someone text you about that or did you open up yeah, your my, social my media? Yeah, my cousin from here tagged me on it. <laughs> <laughs> the dream, eh? You're very welcome and welcome home. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Have you gone to your childhood home? Have you reverted back to being a 10-year-old? Yeah, although I was talking to someone about this the other day because I moved around a lot as a kid. The house that my mum now lives in She's been in since I was 17, so okay. I, not, I don't go home to the one that, like any of the ones that I was a real kid in, so I've got a di- different vibe with that. But. Okay, good stuff. But so I, well, I was 17 in that, so I have a okay. bit of that. <laughs> so you're being made to eat your dinner and all those things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and what's it like being home? Is it good? Yeah, it's brilliant. I'm, I'm, I am I'm. always love coming home. I'd be here much more often if I could, um, but I'm a bit exhausted from all the travel and stuff, but I'm just, yeah. Yeah, because you're in publicity stage, is that right? Yeah, just wrapping up sort of the, the tail end of all the, the book tour stuff and, and um, a couple of events abroad and stuff like that but okay. yeah and how long has that been going on for um the book I guess since I did West Cork Festival on I think it was like the 9th of July okay so kind of since then so yeah about six, six yeah, eight weeks over yeah. a month anyway so yeah very tired are you yeah I mean it's all good stuff obviously I'm like it's it's all stuff I'm thrilled to be doing but yeah I'm just mm. a little bit exhausted <laughs> yeah I can imagine and all a bit of a whirlwind I suppose yeah then just go back to normality and back to, to writing another book yeah it's kind of helpful in a way because I'm absolutely desperate to get back to work now and um you know it's kind of good to have that push of, of I need a bit of the panic of going oh god I haven't done anything for six weeks so mm-hmm. I really I really need to get on it now so mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to going back and just getting the head down. And how does it feel to be over that kind of almost, you know, difficult second album that people talk about? You know, um, your first book had such great acclaim, acts of desperation that was there a bit of pressure with the second? Yeah, um, not so much in how it did commercially or anything like people always think this is about self-deprecating, but like uh, like books don't sell anything compared to any other art form. You know, I mean, like if you look at what numbers books actually do compared to a film or a song or whatever, Mm. It's 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 so little that you almost can't even really think about that side of things because mm-hmm. it just doesn't really come into it. Um, so I wasn't worried about sales, but yeah, I, I obviously I hoped the people who liked Acts of Desperation wouldn't hate the new one, and some of them do, and some of them will. You know, like it's a very different book. It but, is very different. Yeah, yeah, and like you know, the blurb just grabbed me straight away: a dead child on a London estate, and the finger of suspicion pointing at one reclusive Irish family. The Greens. That is a podcast in the making. <laughs> <laughs> and we love a bit of true crime. Where did this idea come from? When was your kind of light bulb moment of, oh, I might do this? Um, so I read this book called Somebody's Husband, Somebody's Son, mm-hmm. which is a true crime book. Um, but it's a really good one. It's not like I, I read all sorts of true crime and all sorts of books in general. But um, this would be like a particularly literary, very well executed and researched version of true crime, I would say. Um He's a really interesting writer, actually, Gordon Byrne, and he would always go and live in the places that he was writing about for years at a time, so okay. it's very invested. Mm-hmm. And he wrote about the, the Yorkshire Ripper, Peter oh, Sutcliffe. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there was, a, yeah, there was just an anecdote in that book about a tabloid journalist approaching Sutcliffe's family, many of whom were working-class alcoholics, and offering them money and uh, 
some pocket money basically to be put up in this hotel and kept sequestered as a source on top. Mm-hmm. And so I was struck by this idea of the hotel and that's where the, the idea of my book came from. And it's set in both here and in Washford in the southeast and yeah. in London. That's right, yeah. And in the 90s. Yeah, in the 90s and it goes back into the past a bit okay. then, yeah. And I always think the 90s must be a lovely time to write about because you don't have the pressure of everything being on social media mm-hmm. and everyone having the ability to record and, um, you know, keep a history of stuff. But... Was there a lot of research involved in it at the same time? Um, yeah, there was a bit. There was like um, stuff to do with the tabloids. I tried to read a couple of, um, there's not loads of them, but some memoirs by former tabloid journalists, um, things like that, and read, read up around tabloid culture back then because it obviously was quite different than mm-hmm. now because of the Levison Inquiry and things like that. But um, apart from that, I made sure, you know, basic stuff like I made sure the place names and street names and mm-hmm. pub names were correct. But um but no, it wasn't tremendously involved. It was mostly kind of nice, low-key stuff to do with Waterford. You know, asking my parents what cinema was called in the yeah. 70s or whatever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, nothing major, honestly. And is that why you set it in the 90s? Because of the level of power that tabloids had yeah. in London or in, in the UK? Yeah, mostly. There was a couple of logistic things that made it have to be not now. Um, mm. One of them is that in in the crime described in my book, there's a child accused of killing another child. Mm-hmm. And if you were to set it any later than it is I think you couldn't avoid but having to refer to James Bulger in yeah. that case because that's yeah. obviously such a huge famous mm-hmm. horrifying crime that was like you know so defining in England for such a long time and so I, I obviously didn't really want to get into a real life crime mm-hmm. but I thought it would be almost strange to not refer to it if it was set later on so um, yeah. so it happens earlier in the 90s exactly the it happens case. in 90 and that was 92 And yeah. then, but then also yeah because laws certain regulations and laws were different in the 90s than they are now um, in terms of what you were allowed to do and do around children. Um, so yeah, for those reasons, I said in the nineties. Mm-hmm. And what was it like writing that? Because I think as consumers of you know podcasts and novels, we we love the tragic and we mm. we love the weird and you know almost how could a human being cr- do those acts? But what what was that like writing mm. that? Um, well, I didn't get into anything explicit. Like mm. I knew I didn't want to do that, mm. and I didn't. You know, I I think you'd have to be a really good writer, like a really world-class exceptional writer to be able to write something as horrifying as a child's mm. death and not have it be really exploitative and horrible um and also yeah I just didn't want to do that myself mm. personally anyway so I did I didn't I don't go into anything about anything in detail about about the death really mm. um but yeah more so obviously I'm interested in how a, a child can be capable of violence and what like the sorts of children I read a lot about that did a lot of research about that about the commonalities between children who were who are either kill or capable of violence, mm. um, of extreme violence, and you know there's lots of differences between them. But but a, but a core a core common thing is that they have been alienated from their parents and family in early, very very early childhood. Um, mm. And so yeah, that's obviously part of the story is Lucy's um, alienation from her mother. Okay, and uh, the question that every author gets asked about movies and being optioned mm-hmm. for a film. Is that on your mind or is there talk about it? Is this... There's uh, always talk about it. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you just kind of can't take anything seriously. Yeah, I've seriously. heard other authors t- say that you might be optioned for a movie and six years down the line, nothing's happened. Yeah, so. the first my first book was optioned for television uh-huh. and that was great. And obviously it's nice that people see that potential or whatever, but... And, and it's useful financially. They You know, they kind of, even if they don't make it, they still pay you some money. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly, I don't really think about it. It's not, the, it's not my world and... Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not like I'm not against trying to involve myself in that world. I don't mean in terms of my own books, but like I'd be interested sometimes at some time to try to learn to write scripts. But it's not my concern, and like I have to write books 
primarily. So yeah, I just leave it alone. <laughs> yeah, see what happens. Probably the best idea. Um, and tell me about your own, like the sort of books that you like yourself. I read somewhere that when you were a teenager, you say is when you read the most. I don't think you were re- reading the sort of things I was reading at 13, like Judy Blue and stuff like that. <laughs> I did or read what, that as well, you did, yeah. What you, you liked a lot of other very yeah. prose-driven kind of books, did you? Yeah, I liked, a, mm. I, I liked a, you know, I, I read everything. So I, I was very into Judy Bloom and, mm. and YA stuff. Um, but yeah, I was reading adult books from the time I was about 11, maybe. And actually, we were just talking about this last night at the library that, like, I'm not going to blame it entirely on this, but partly that was because when I was a kid, I lived in Ballybrickin and... There was a sort of like interim library in Ballybrickin mm. because they were doing up the central one. And it was a bit haphazard, like the books were sort of everywhere. And so I kind of came across a load of adult novels that mm. I shouldn't have because they were in the wrong section. So I ended up reading, like, yeah, I remember specifically I read The Virgin Suicides by Jeffrey Eugenides okay. when I was 11. And that was very like, wow, you know, it's very striking an adult. Um, and yeah, aside from that, I loved, I loved like a lot of the like contemporary American fiction of that time. So like, mm. I loved Franzen and... Um, Brett Easton Ellis and people like that, um, who I still really like. But as I've gotten older, I've tried to like read more Irish stuff and more mm-hmm. women. And like I think back then, I just most, mostly read American men, basically. And what are you reading at the moment? Is there anyone in particular that you're enjoying? Um, I'm reading. I, I loved. I just finished Paul Murray's new book. I thought that was mm-hmm. really brilliant. Um, and I'm I'm kind of reading a lot of nonfiction at the moment. I don't know why. I'm just in a bit of a phase with that. Um, I'm reading a book about schizophrenia called The Maladies of the Mind. That's really interesting. Um, but yeah, I'm. I'm I'm not in a super heavy reading period at the moment. I've kind of just been busy with the with this stuff, but I'm I'm excited to get back to some more novels now. And it's interesting that you say about nonfiction. I just can't do nonfiction. It's so strange. It takes me a lot longer. Like yeah. I fly through a novel, but it takes me ages to read a nonfiction book. Sometimes I'll listen to no, now. Sometimes I think I've listened to two nonfiction <laughs> books in my lifetime. But I don't know what it is. It's almost as if my reading is, you know, some relaxation for me. So I need to be entertained. Whereas yeah. sometimes you have to be so on when you're reading nonfiction. I agree, yeah. And I think that's actually kind of why I like it because I I feel like I experience a lot of things very passively, like watching TV or whatever and, mm-hmm. and reading novels a lot of the time. I just fly through them. Mm, me and too. that's good, but like it means that sometimes I'm not really taking them in. Yes, I find myself kind of scanning sentences yeah, exactly. almost and forgetting so, yeah. read I think that's what's useful for me about nonfiction is that I do actually have to read it properly if I I'm reading it. it. And do you listen to books? Um, I used to a lot. I do less. I just because I listen to loads of podcasts now, and, mm. I'm, and I think if I'm listening to anything, I'm probably doing that. But um, I used to listen to loads of Stephen King weirdly. Like I'm a big Stephen King fan, and uh, I would like work out and listen to Stephen King books, which is fun. <laughs> <laughs> what about um, a real book in your hand or a Kindle? Um, okay, so I do both. I much prefer a real book, but because I get sent loads of proofs, which is mm. great. But I mean, my house is like genuinely overflowing with books now, and I have to move pretty soon. So I've I've started to ask for them as PDFs instead. Brilliant. So I'm trying to get into that. Yeah. I do like it. I've nothing against it. It's just a bit more natural, obviously. I, yeah. I've, never, I've never really gotten into it until now. But I totally get where you're coming from with the clutter thing. That's what it is for me yeah. and books that I like that my Kindle holds all these yeah, things, and they're totally. not everywhere. So, yeah. yeah, totally. Well, look, it's so lovely to talk to you this morning and I, I have to say... Two very different books. Ordinary Human Failings is the one that is just out now. It is published by Penguin and Megan's first book is Acts of Desperation. Thanks a million for coming in. It's lovely to see you in person. We forget that the last time that we spoke was for the Shine <laughs> Festival for Shona.ie uh, and we were on video during COVID and in the middle of it, my child and her cousin just appeared <laughs> and bounced on the bed. <laughs> so it's lovely we don't have that interruption. I mean, that morning. was lovely as well. Though, but <laughs> <laughs> Not so lovely 
for me. <laughs> Megan, it's so nice to see Thank you. you. Thanks for coming in this morning. Thanks so much. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. The Wexford Spiegelton Festival returns to Wexford Town in later in October until early November. You can check out more details at wexfordspiegeltent.com. It's been 11 years since the Paradiso Spiegeltent first came to the Keys in Wexford Town and it has seen a wide variety of musicians and entertainers. This year is no different, but names like Keith Barry, The Whistling Donkeys, comedian Neil Delamere all heading to the southeast for the Spiegel Tent Festival. Also on stage in October are Charlene Murphy and Ellie Kelly when they take their award-winning chart-topping Hold My Drink podcast to this year's festival. Tickets for the event sold out on Friday morning when they were released, but Jade from Beat News spoke to Ellie in the meantime about the podcast and live shows. She started off by asking her whether she had ever been to the sunny southeast. Do you know what? No. And I was only thinking recently, I don't, I genuinely don't even think, well, I've probably passed through Wexford, but I don't think I've spent any time down in Wexford. So I'm really excited. Do you think, like, have you got anything planned or just the podcast and then bounce out of there? Um, We don't have the full day planned yet, but depending on how things go, we could still hang around for the day. And yeah, we'll see how things go when we're kind of down there. But um, no, we're, we're really, we're buzzing for it. Yeah, it'll be fab. Wexford's gorgeous, to be fair. But anyway, that's besides the point. We'll get into the podcast now. So in terms of the live show, what can people expect from it? Um, oh, God, where do I even begin? Um, we like to say that the podcast is kind of like the girls' bathroom on a night out where we just chat all girly things, relationships, dilemmas, life just in general. Um yeah, I'm trying to think the best way to explain what, what they can expect. Just fun chats and like, I feel like it, it shows a different side of me and Charlene as well. Um, On a more personable level, like Instagram, we can only show so much. So I think seeing us in person and just hearing hearing what we have to say in person is such a different side of us. Um, but we love getting to do it. I'd say it's a lot of fun, to be fair. No, it really is. Like and I feel like when we're when we're doing them live as well, things might not always go as we've planned. Like we like to pre-plan everything, of course, but things might not always go as planned. But it makes it more fun, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And is it like a little bit surreal? Kind of like obviously you you know how many listeners you have every week, but is it surreal to actually see them in person? Oh, hundred percent. It makes it so different as well. Like me and Charlene still say that we we can never fathom the amount of people that do listen to us and who do support us. So getting to see that in person is like, we still sit there and think it's only me and Charlie and because we're best friends as well, like outside of work and everything else, it always just feels like it's me and her sitting on the couch, having a little chat. So getting to actually see the people who get, who support us in real life is always like mind blowing. I'd say so. And then the fact that like, you've not been doing it for, for that long like the the podcast so oh, how does yeah. it feel to to be like the most popular in Ireland oh god I don't know if I can claim that title yet um one day hopefully please god uh, it's it's mental we can we can never thank people enough for the support we didn't know where this was going to go when we started our podcast is it'll be two years old on the 13th of October I think it is that was when we released our first episode so two years down the line to see the support and like we when we started this we might have just thought oh we'll just get kind of six months out of this or like we we didn't know how how long we'd kind of be able to do this for so to be able to be here two years later and 
go, getting to go to places like Wexford and Cork and doing all our live shows and stuff, like, it's just amazing. I'd say it's so much fun. But then, no, is there any particular reason that you chose the colour pink to kind of be associated with the, the, the show? Uh, I think it's just that me and Charlene are kind of girly girls and it's just, yeah, I think that was kind of the, the easiest the easiest way to go and yeah, I think pink when you when you think of me and Charlene, Charlene definitely anyway, she's like she's like our little Irish barb. Um, <laughs> so she really is. So thinking of the two of us, I think pink was the best colour to kinda of go with. And then you have um a section of the podcast called Secrets from the Stalls. Can we expect mm-hmm. any secrets be, to be revealed in Wexford? Definitely. We always do it. We like and the the part that we love the most about doing it live is that like there are secrets that we'd like to tell in person kind of so like I feel like when we when we have them recorded it's different because people can go back and listen to them and stuff but the fact that we just do these live and it's just so off the cuff as well it's definitely secrets that are going to be spilled whether we plan on doing it or not that's the fun part of it is that sometimes they can just kind of come out and we're like oops <laughs> didn't mean for that to happen yeah <laughs> We're absolutely buzzing. I cannot wait to see the crowd in Wexford and to come down and experience it for the day. And no, we're just absolutely buzzing. We are so excited. We can't even explain it. So that's the Hold My Drink live podcast event at the Spiegel Tent Festival in Wexford Town. If you have tickets, enjoy. If not, there's lots of other stuff happening during the Spiegel Tent Festival. You can get more details and you can book on their website. It's wexfordspiegeltent.com. Yes, we were talking about stuff Going on in October, autumn is well and truly on its way. But great to see there's some great events happening around the southeast and planned already. That is WexfordSpiegelTent.com. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. My next guest is the owner of a company with a really great name. One of those names that's so simple but such an aha moment. Waterford-based Deirdre Adams is the founder of Irish Pajama Company, jimjams.ie She joins me in studio this morning to tell us about Jim Jams and her collaboration with Project Tribe. You're very welcome. Thank you, Orla. It's did you have to a, be here. Did you have an aha moment with the Jim Jams? Yes, I did. I did really. You know, we sp- put a lot of time into thinking about a name for the business and uh, we looked at lo- lots of different things, but Jim Jams felt right. It's yeah. it's kind of cosy and friendly and fun. And a little bit Irish as well, and isn't it? And a little it? bit Irish. Yeah. I think I'm it's sure a bit of an Irish say thing. It, but I do feel it's an Irish thing. Yes, yeah. I think so. I think so. So that is jimjams.ie. How how would you sum up Jim Jams? What, what, how would you sum up the business? So uh, basically, Orla, uh, we are um, a ladies' pyjama company and our pyjamas are ethically and sustainably produced. So the pyjamas are designed here in Ireland and they're made in India through a women's social empowerment programme that is run uh, by this lady called Sonika Sarna who runs Project Thrive in India. Why India? Why did you choose there? Uh, well, one of the reasons, of course, to choose India was their absolutely heavenly cotton. Um, so I wanted uh, to have them manufactured um, 
in a place that would be able to manufacture them ethically. Um, and India, this uh, project drive is ex- was exactly what I was looking for because uh, as I've always been involved in um, supporting vulnerable women here in Waterford and uh, when I was starting the business I wanted that to be a part of the business. So uh, wh- uh, I went researching where you could get um, uh, garments made in different parts of the world but I, I focus very much on India because of the gorgeous cotton and uh, I wanted the pyjamas to be cotton made from 100% organic cotton. So I went out to India and met with um, Sonica, the the uh, manager of Project Thrive and oh, we where are they based in India? They're based in Delhi. Okay. And so they have um, workshops in Delhi and then they have um, links with uh, villages around Delhi. Okay. So they have workshops in villages around uh, Delhi as well. So it's not just Delhi, it's the countryside mm-hmm. as well. So I'm sure that was a completely different experience to go to Delhi than a completely different city than oh, what we're yes. used to. Oh, my goodness. It's very different Mm. and absolutely gorgeous. I went out with my two daughters and we totally fell in love with India. It's such a beautiful Mm. country and the colours are breathtaking. And uh, the food, of course, is absolutely gorgeous. And we uh, travelled, we travelled around uh, all of northern India because we looked at other possible manufacturers as well. Um, And uh, we just, we were just, we just fell in love with India. It really is beautiful. And uh, and the the skill of the craftspeople there and the the cotton is is absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. So it was everything we'd hoped it would be. And we combined our our trip with some touristy things oh, as lovely. well. And we visited the gorgeous Taj Mahal. Lovely. And, you know, it, it's a, I would recommend anybody to mm. go there for a visit. It really is a very special mm-hmm. experience. And what is it about cotton that is so important, especially when it comes to pyjamas? Is it breathable? Or? Yes. I mean, cotton is, is uh, really the ideal um, fabric for pyjamas mm. because it's very comfortable. It's very breathable. It washes out like a hanky. You can throw it into the washing machine and it it washes so easily Mm. and then it irons up beautifully. Uh, So it's mainly comfort, durability and, of course, beauty because you can print it in all sorts of lovely prints. So it's very pretty as well. So you have another job and your lifelong job. Yes. So this is something that, is it something you always wanted to do? Because it's very different to what you normally were doing. Yes, yes. It's very different to my normal job. I'm a solicitor by profession and I lecture law and that's my normal job. But I suppose over the years I had always felt I would like to have a business. Mm. It was kind of a, a, a dream, I suppose. But then, you know, earlier in my life I was busy bringing up children and so on. And I didn't really have time for, for something extra. Mm-hmm. So then uh, when my children were grown up, my youngest was kind of uh, going into leaving, well, mm-hmm. going into fifth year, say. So um, uh, I thought this is this is a time, you know, the demands of parenthood aren't as 
immediate um, when the children get to that age. The mm-hmm. two older ones were at college and the eldest was, in fact, uh, living and working in London. Okay. So uh, so I felt I had more time and I felt, you know, this is my time and this would be my project for the kind of next chapter mm-hmm. uh, of my life. And it was an ideal time. Um, and it's an interesting time. There's a lot of, you know, talk about this age, you know, in your kind of 50s. But in fact, it's a really exciting time of mm-hmm. life. And at this age, women have mostly their children are mm. kind of grown up at mm-hmm. college age or whatever. So it's a great opportunity to do something new. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, to really recommend it. Yeah. And then with the designs and everything, are you designing it yourself? Yes, yeah. yes. So um, I, de- I designed the pyjamas myself and then I had to get a, um, a, a pattern maker to make up the patterns. Uh, and then I brought those out to India and they, um, they're, they're made from the patterns then in India. Lovely. And yeah. they're lovely, gorgeous, luxurious looking pyjamas. You have a hydrangea print and also a print that has been inspired by the Gillamine in Tremor and County Waterford too. Yes, that's correct. And talk to me about the accessories. Yeah, so the pyjamas come there. You can get um, accessories to match. So we have our gorgeous little scrunchie. So the scrunchie is made in the same fabric as the pyjamas. So the scrunchies are very popular and they you can use it, obviously, to tie up your hair before bed while you're doing your, um, you know, your face uh, skin routine um, at night. Or you can, um, if you have short hair and you don't needed to tie up your hair. Uh, a lot of people wear them on their wrists mm. as a little accessory. And in fact, I often wear them myself uh, on my wrist. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I wear them a lot playing golf, in okay. fact, <laughs> <laughs> because they're they're very pretty on mm. your wrist mm-hmm. and they kind of a nice accessory. And then you have an then eye you mask can, as well. And then you? we have the eye mask as well, you know, to cover your eyes mm. when you want, if you want to go wear them, you know, to block out the light to go to sleep. And do people tell you why they're buying them? I'm thinking of hen parties and stuff like that. Oh, yes. Now, I sell an awful lot for gifts, uh, for birthday parties, for birthdays. Um, Christmas is a really busy time. Mm -hmm. And I sell them also a lot now for people in hospital. So um, I've uh, had a lot of, you know, somebody from workers in the hospital Mm -hmm. and the girls in the office or everybody in the office chips in and sends them a lovely pair of pyjamas and it's a lovely gift to get instead of a bouquet of flowers. Oh, totally. And it's a... You know, I don't, I can't think of any luxurious pajamas that I have. So it's kind yeah. of a step above almost. Oh, no, it is. Yeah. In fact, I ca- the idea came to me for the pajama business uh, when I was going into hospital myself. I had to get my hip replaced there okay. um, about four or five years ago. And I was looking for really nice pajamas and I wanted something a bit special. Mm. But uh, and really nice quality and really pretty, but not. I didn't want something that was going to kind of cost the earth mm-hmm. either. And I actually found that there was kind of a gap in the market. Mm-hmm. There was the kind of high street stuff, mm-hmm. which is lovely, um, but I wanted something a bit more special. And then I found that something more special was very expensive. So Jim Jams is kind of falling in the middle. They retail at 
120 euros, mm-hmm. which is, um, you know, a kind of a nice prize mm. for a special, yeah, a special birthday gift yeah. or a special gift for someone going mm-hmm. into hospital or, you know, for Christmas, mm-hmm. Mother's Day, all those sorts of uh, occasions. I really don't think he can go wrong with pyjamas. I have no. bought them as a gift so many times for people because, you know, you're not saying... You're not forcing your style on people, no. you know, so it's mm. a, a lovely thing to have. And you have the shorts version. Yes, we have a short. And the long-legged version. And the long-legged version. Okay, and so the you two. can get them in long or short. In the summer now, the shorts are nice. Yeah. Some people still go for the long because they mm-hmm. feel they're kind of more practical. Um, And I think, uh, but the shorts are gorgeous too. So it's up to whatever people want. Lovely. Yeah. Well, it's called Jim Jams. Dot IE, as Georgia was saying, a you know special present if you're looking for something for someone you club together, and um, but also knowing that you are buying sustainably, yes, and that the factory that it's being made uh, in in Asia has been checked out, yes, and you've ensured yes, I that. Visited. And it's all women working in the factory, is it? It's not absolutely all women, but the majority are women, yes. Okay, lovely stuff. Jimjams.ie is the name of the business based right here in the southeast. Georgia, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you for having me, Orla. It was a pleasure. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It is the Sunday Grill here on Beat 102-103. This is the time when we talk movies and spoiler alert... Brian likes this week's movie yeah. a lot. And it's a horror movie, which is weird. For Brian. Yeah, well, Brian sorry, yeah, is yeah. not a horror fan. I'm he not. laughs in the face of horror. I know, yeah, I know what I do. And I did laugh at this one as well because they include a comedy in it. Which oh, is, good. Yes, that's probably why I end up liking it realistically. Okay, so this is an Australian supernatural horror film. If the music is anything to go by in this clip, it is terrifying. Yeah, it is. It is a small bit. It, it really does kind of... Induce fear a small bit too fair. Okay, so the blurb is when a group of friends discover how to conjure spirits by using an... In- now, listen to this. An embalmed hand. You had me at embalmed hand, but I'm gone off out the door and back home again. Really? Because <laughs> I can't deal with that fear. But isn't it just such a... <laughs> it's, there's many things... Okay, I'll come back to it. I'll come back to it. Okay, yeah, we'll okay, we'll okay. So they become hooked on the new thrill... Why? Until one of them unleashes terrifying supernatural forces. Let's have a listen to talk to me. <laughs> have you seen the group chat? They're doing it again tonight. Huh? No. Please. It's my mum's remembrance day. I just want to forget about it. Who's up? I'll do it. Go for more than 90 seconds. Am I clear? What happens after 90 seconds? Don't want to stay. Light the candle to open the door. Blow it out to close it. Put your hand on it. Now say... Talk to me. Talk to me. <laughs> it's all about the music. Yeah. Bum. Bum. Terrified. It's beautiful. That's a beautiful rendition of Thank it. Thank you. We Thank put that you. that on the soundtrack. Okay. 
Something about an Australian accent and a horror as well. You know, it wasn't a horror. It was a slasher. It's the only movie that I've walked out of. Um, and it was called, it was about a group of backpackers who used to get picked up by a serial killer and awful stuff. And I just was like, I'm out of here. It really? was horrific. I walked out after about half an hour. Well, well just when we were, we were chatting there and you were reading out, after reading out the blurb, the blurb spooked you. Spooked me. I think that's such a fantastic like way of showing good. how clever this movie is. No, yeah. but it's it's so it's an Australian horror. Have you ever seen an Australian horror movie before? No, I don't think so. That slasher that I can't think of its name of, and I, in a way I would put that in the horror genre, but I'd probably be wrong. Yeah. So you're you're talking kind of thriller, eerie kind of a horror. Well, yeah, this is it's definitely. I don't. It felt a lot like it felt a lot like Get Out. It, it was like. Well, is it not from the same? No, production company is it not a twenty? Well, it is a twenty four. But what happened was the they made the movie and a twenty four picked it up. Okay. And they didn't change a thing. I watched an, an interview with them on YouTube. Wow. A twenty four didn't change a second of it. They were saying. Well, it, it, like you said, it just seemed like something that they would make. So yeah. it is in their vibe. Oh, 100%. They, they, they just, I feel like they're scouting out talent rather than creating it, which is, it's honestly beautiful to see realistically. No, totally. It also reminded me, again, another movie that I haven't seen at all because it was so terrifying is it is, was it Insidious? Or remember that film with Tony Collette? And, Hereditary? oh, what is it called? Hereditary. Hereditary. Yeah, well done. Ari Aster. Yeah. Was that another one? That was one that I thought was very funny, but people okay. don't. <laughs> that was like kind of the last kind of massive horror movie. But no, this one is, it's a, sm- a small movie. It was made for Adelaide Film Festival. Okay. And like that's at the start of it, like Adelaide Film Festival, which is weird because you never see a film festival movie like that's not made by like with Zendaya in it mm. to come out and, mm. and really be fantastic. And it's so clever because it uses things so cleverly, like the embalmed hand, right? Spooky. But at the same time, it's one prop that's used for the entire movie. Okay. And it's like, there's no real CGI in it as much. There's a lot of makeup, a lot of prosthetics and stuff like that. But there's not a lot of CGI. Budget's small, but you don't notice you're completely in for the hour and a half. You're completely involved. Like the friends in it seem like friends. You're laughing, having jokes with them. Then things get serious and you're also taken aback. It was was really just... Really, really good. Like, and is Australia a character as well? Like, is it a city? So Australia space? is a country no, in in the south, southern much. hemisphere. Thank you. But within this movie, he's so <laughs> I don't can't even think of the word of what he is. Funny, but he's in trouble later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is but do you know what I mean? Is it like Sydney living or Adelaide living, or could you be anywhere in Australia? You could be anywhere. Okay. It's it's just like. Where it, they do, honestly, it could be anywhere, anywhere, but they just have Australian accents, okay. you know. So it doesn't yeah. matter. It's not a big thing. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, everything just seems very real. I know you're saying that they, like, they get addicted to it, and you had a kind of a weird look on your face. And it, but it, what happens is, is basically you put your hand on the the hand, mm-hmm. you say, "Talk to me," yeah. and a, a dead person appears, a spirit appears in Ooh. front of you, and then you say, "Let me in." And then the spirit inhabits your body and then they don't go for longer than 90 seconds. And if they do go for longer than 90 seconds, bad things will happen. Oh, so I see and you'll never here. guess what happened. Someone didn't count one pineapple, two pineapple. Exactly. They went a bit over, did they? Yeah, but it's, it's crazy because like we open and we see this person completely kind of losing their mind with it. And then the movie itself is basically about how the downfall of that can lead to like the start of the movie how the, okay. the movie is how you can end up at the start of the movie honestly basically. okay so we have a um, grieving daughter yeah so she obviously wants to talk to her mom. yes 
Um, any other characters in there that, you know, have issues that they need rectified thanks to an embalmed hand? See, not, <laughs> not really. It's not as if they're all like creepy people. Like mm. the, the mother died in suspicious circumstances mm. and like the the daughter's a weird relationship with her dad and stuff like that. But apart from that, like her best friend and like her brother, they're kind of two of the main characters. They're just there. They're like, there's nothing kind of like spiritual about them. Mm. They're just like wanting to get involved with this. The two people that like have the hand they're just having the crack with it as well. Mm-hmm. Like they're kind of crazy and they're pretty funny to be fair as well. But it's like, it's just, it seems like a genuine group of people and then one person goes too far with it and then it's just the effects that that can have on the rest okay. of the people. Satisfying outcome? Yes. Or, yes? Yeah, the okay. ending is like, oh, that's pretty cool actually. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's give it some black puddings. So I give it like an eight point five, okay. or even a nine. I I I feel like my push for a nine because small movie. They don't have as much like marketing mm-hmm. budget and stuff for what they have. What they did with it, it was fantastic. Where did you go see it? I saw it in Kilkenny. Okay. Because yeah, it's, I think it's getting kind of a wide release. Okay. At the end of August, but I've seen a lot about stuff about it online, so I had to kind of make the big trip up. All right, so check it out. See if it's in the town near you. It is called Talk To Me. It really has vibes for me from clips of Hereditary, Midsummer. I know they're both Ari Aster people and he is an A24 yeah. background. And, and I would feel very, it's very get out. It does feel okay. very kind of like, like yeah. the constant dread kind mm-hmm. of a feel the of get out. The constant dread. You've just summed up how I feel about horrors. Okay. That's how I That's feel. That's how you're going to say about life. No. <laughs> That's, That's like, too. oh my God. Oh. That's how I feel about horrors. I, the minute I sit down, I am just dreading what's coming up over the next, I would like to say 90 minutes, but they love to do now two hours. No, this now. is 95 minutes. Okay, I'm still not going to see it because no, I'm terrified. too spooky. The Constant Dread. That's going to be my band name. Eight and a half black puddings out of ten. Yeah. Good stuff. Next week you're going to review a movie that when I heard about it, I thought my seven-year-old daughter would love it. Then I watched the clips and realised this is not for a child. Yeah, maybe maybe not. It's called Strays. It features a whole load of dogs, some Jamie Foxx and other big stars like Will Ferrell. I think I would love it. Let's see what you think next week. Hopefully, Thanks a million. Hopefully it's good. Good stuff. See in the you. meantime, it's called Talk To Me. Check if it's in your local cinema. It deserves to be. It's eight and a half black puddings out of ten. Thanks a million, Briners. No bother at all. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103.